Hi, this is Jim Lyon. Happy Easter. You're listening to Viewpoint. And with me today, Jamie Wilkerson. How are you? I'm doing great. We're in this week of Easter, the day yes. set aside once in a Love year it. to celebrate the resurrection of Christ on the Western calendar this year on April 12th. Is Easter one of your you know, best holidays? It what is would you my say? favorite. Your favorite. <laughs> my I mean, favorite better holiday. than Christmas. Better than Christmas. Okay, why? Why? You know, because as for believers, this is like our Super Bowl. This is a time where we can reflect and remember the sacrifice that Jesus made, but also the promise and the hope that the resurrection gives us. I mean, it, essentially, Jesus dies so that we can live eternally. So, it is the central feature yes, of the whole is, Christian this trip. This is our time. <laughs> if, if it's not in the middle of it, if it's not a real thing, if it's not something anchoring us, then the whole rest of Christianity is in trouble. That's right. And it is the pivot of history. Easter is a great celebration, and uh, it's called a movable feast. That means that uh, the date of Easter moves about from year to year because it's tied to a calculation based on the lunar calendar of ancient time. But Whenever you celebrate it, whatever the day, and much of the Christian world in the Orthodox community, which follows a different calendar, has Easter on a different day sometimes. Whatever day you celebrate it, and every Sunday actually, first day of the week, is marked as a kind of Easter resurrection day, it is a day to celebrate. And there's some good news in this story. And there's the obvious good news of Jesus rising from the dead. We're going to talk about that today, but also about how his appearance after the resurrection, how he disclosed himself to individuals actually speaks right to us. It's really good news, too, who he shows up for. The world of the first Easter was, well, turbulent. There were a lot of tensions. There were political tensions. There were economic tensions. People struggled to make ends meet. They weren't sure if they'd have food the next day and add on to all that. Controversies about would-be messiahs and would-be revolutionaries and how the Roman government of the time would crack down on those that would challenge its authority. People lived with a certain sense of fear and wonder and uncertainty and doubt. And it was into that world that Jesus walked. It was into that world that Jesus died. And it is from that world that he was raised from the dead. You know, we live in a world like that today, Jamie. I mean, honestly, the last many weeks have been dominated by news about the COVID-19 or the coronavirus. And it's been a global, global episode. It has. Doesn't matter where you live on the planet that story has become dominant and it's raised so many questions because, well, we're not really sure about the virus. People think, well, it's just the flu, but it doesn't have a lot of history. We're not sure that it adapts just like the flu. Is it really just about old people or can young people also suffer? Why don't kids seem to get it? I mean, there's so much about it that we don't know. And so in a world like this, and that's just one thing compared to all the rest of the uncertainty of the stock markets and political machinations and wars and conflicts, I mean, in a world like that, Easter still matters, and it still is a shining light, a guiding light. And today, as we talk about it, there are so many details in the Easter story that are fascinating, but we're going to pull one of those out from Luke's narrative. Luke is an author who wrote a story about the life of Jesus. He researched his witnesses. He only used first-person eyewitnesses to craft his narrative, his memoir, his, his kind of history of Jesus. Luke's uh, narrative is one that has a lot of details because he was a physician, I think, and doctors 
tend to notice the details. At least I want my doctor to notice the details. <laughs> and uh, so he gives us a detailed record of the events around an Easter. And on that first Easter Sunday, Jesus appears in the morning. That's when the first news and realization that he's raised from the dead takes place. But then we have a story of the whole day, and events unfold through that whole day. And there's a story that Luke tells about two guys on a road walking to Emmaus. They haven't seen Jesus. They've just heard about his resurrection. They're not sure what to make of the story. And then Jesus comes up alongside, begins to walk with them, but they don't recognize him. And let's pick that story up. Jamie, I know you have the text open. This is from Luke chapter 24. What does it say? It says, by this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it is getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, Didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them who said, The Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. Rising from the dead is extraordinary. There's really no adjective to describe it because we understand the grave. We understand that when people die, they don't come back. But Jesus came back. That's the whole foundation of Christianity. Jesus could not be contained in the grave. This is a real promise of Christianity. People who follow Jesus and embrace him as Lord, who by faith make a decision to trust him with their lives, not just now, but forever. Those people who are made new by Christ, born again, as Jesus described it, these people will also have a resurrection body just like Jesus. That is the whole gospel in a nutshell. So I know that my body's aging. Jamie, you're just young and still in the springtime of life. I'm moving into autumn and winter. Know that my days are numbered in a different way, perhaps, than those who are younger. But I also know that my life isn't defined by my body alone. I I have a life apart from my body, and I'm going to get a new body that will never die. I actually believe that. That is the promise of the resurrection. Jesus came out of the grave. The scripture tells us the first fruit of this new order of creation that God has made. So, Jamie, it's early in the morning, Sunday morning. It's the garden tomb. The the burial place was in a garden. And as he appears in that garden, in his new resurrected body, who's the first person he talks to? The first person he talked to is Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene. Now, she's been a faithful follower. Jesus rescued her from a desperate situation. She then got on board. She was with him to the last. We read that she was at the foot of the cross when he died. And even now that he's dead, she just can't let it go. Well, of course she can't. Someone she had hopes in and dreams for what he would do in this world and that he would help so many other people like He had helped her, and suddenly he's dead. So she goes to the grave. Not uncommon for us to go to a grave, to remember a loved one, to take care of business there. And now she's talking to a man, and it's Jesus, raised from the dead. She doesn't recognize him at first, but when he calls her by name, she knows it's him. And he gives her a message. It's important for us to remember that Jesus chose 
to appear first to Mary Magdalene, a woman, and that woman is the first person that Jesus says, now you go tell other people about the gospel that I have raised from the dead. Women are been called by Jesus from the beginning to tell the good news, and not just to children, as sometimes people believe. You go tell my disciples, those grown men that ran away from the cross, the weenies. Oh, he didn't say that, but <laughs> you go tell them, I'm back, and I'm giving you the message, Mary Magdalene. And, you know, that makes sense to me, because if I was Jesus and I'm going to make this appearance, I think I'd be showing up for the people that were with me to the last, the most faithful people I can imagine, maybe my mom. But then there's that Peter. He appears to the two guys on the road to Emmaus later the day. You read some of that story, Jamie. Mm -hmm. But when they recognize him, they run back to tell the disciples. And the disciples say to them, oh, we, we know that Jesus is already alive. We already have that. Why do we know that? Because he appeared to Peter. So what we know is that Jesus didn't just appear to Mary Magdalene early on, but Peter before the rest. But wait a minute. Why is that a thing? Peter was a follower of Jesus, and he's famous for many things. He walked on water. He went to the mount called Transfiguration and had this moment with Jesus and two other disciples where there were supernatural manifestations, and he was pretty moved by it. Peter was the guy who was always boldly declaring, I'll go with you anywhere. I'll do anything for you, Mr. Jesus. <laughs> when, when the crowd runs away, Jesus looks at Peter and says, are you going to run away too? And Peter says, no, where else am I going to go? You're the Messiah. And Jesus says, I'm going to build my church on, on the rock like you, Peter, and so on. I mean, Peter's got a lot of good moments. But maybe what we think about Peter most famously is not his highest moment. It's his worst. What's, what's his low ebb? Well, it was that one time when he um, denied Jesus. Yeah. And he denied him one time, but it's really a series of denials, it isn't it? It was a series of denials. So that was probably the lowest point for Just, Peter. It's the same night that he was willing to pull out a sword and cut off the ear of people coming to arrest Jesus. But when he saw things going wrong, in other words, Jesus wasn't saving himself. Jesus wasn't snapping his fingers and freeing himself from being imprisoned. When he saw that Jesus was actually going to be in the hands of the Romans and might face death, when he saw everyone turning against Jesus, he pretended he didn't even know Jesus. When people asked, aren't you a friend of Jesus? He said, no way. And he did it three times. And at one point, the scripture tells us he did it while Jesus was standing there. I mean, it's outrageous every time. But for Jesus to be alone, to be beaten, to be humiliated, to be apprehended, to be going to a doom, a cross, and, and the guy who said he'd do anything for you is right there in the same space and won't even look at you. And then says out loud, I don't even know who that guy is. I mean, that is crushing. It's more than physical pain. That's emotional rejection. Anyone who's been divorced can probably understand that. What it means, you make promises to somebody and somebody else, and then that person walks away from you. Have you? I know people who have felt that, that sense of rejection. It's worse than if they'd been punched in the stomach. Mm. Or maybe you have a child that that is your own flesh and blood, and you've loved them and poured your life out to them, but they don't care about you. And they'll walk away from you and cause you grief. And when you are in desperate need, they don't care about you. That is worse than being run over, mm -hmm. I think. 
what I'm just demonstrating is Peter's detachment from Jesus and his denial of Jesus is not just the simple turn of the phrase a couple times. It was an awful, awful moment that for most of us, if I had a friend, if I had a family member that did that to me, it'd take me a long time to get over it. Mm -hmm. And yet here we have it. Jesus has come back from the grave and he shows up to see Peter. He sees Peter before John, <laughs> to whom Jesus entrusted his mother's care. He sees Peter before Mary, his mom. He sees Peter before all the people who had not rejected him in the way that Peter did. Everyone rejected him, but not like Peter. And yet he comes to Peter. What does that tell you, Jamie? It really tells me that if Jesus would appear to Peter, he would appear to me. He would appear to you. So Peter, to me, symbolizes all of us. There's probably been a time that you can maybe remember in your life that you may have rejected the truth of God's word or, or God, or just maybe you had a time where you've walked away from God. But Jesus, in his mercy, which is a scripture that says, God's mercy endures forever and that we have fresh new mercies given to us every day. And so when I see this interaction with Jesus and with Peter, it reminds me that no matter what I've done, <laughs> no matter, you know, at the very lowest point of my life, Jesus will still appear to me. It gives me hope. I think you're right on with that. And there are people listening today perhaps who have never, never followed Jesus and have not cared about him. We want you to know that Jesus loves you, and he is here for you too. But I think this story is especially powerful for people who have known Jesus and who have once professed to follow Jesus and have betrayed him in some way. That's, that's a little different category of, of shame than the person who's never even made a profession of faith. And for those who have walked away from Jesus, we're here to tell you that if he can show up for Peter, he'll show up for you too. And the wonderful restoration of Peter in this passage and also later on in John's gospel where, where Jesus calls on Peter to feed the sheep of Jesus, this Jesus who gives Peter a renewed call to be a shepherd, to be a leader of the church that Jesus has just established, all of this tells us that Jesus knows our hearts and he loves us. And when we're repentant, when we ourselves quiet ourselves and and own our stuff. Peter owned his stuff. And repent and say we're sorry. When we truly, truly want to set a new course, Jesus will come alongside once more. The appearance to Peter on that first Easter Sunday is proof positive of that. You know, Peter is still going to have troubles down the road in life. He's going to have weak need cowardice again when he refuses to stand up for what's right, and the Apostle Paul has to call him out. You can read about that in some of Paul's letters. But he will then again humble himself because Peter's on a journey like all of us are, and Jesus is right by our side. Don't despair. Don't give up. Don't let the devil tell you you've messed up one too many times. Jesus has just left you by the curb. It is not so. But you must own your stuff, and you must be willing to bow before Jesus once more and say you're sorry and go in a new way. This Easter, celebrate the fact that the grave is not the end. And even in a world where people may pass away by disease or accident or injury, even when all of us understand our own mortality, though we don't like to think about it, the story of Easter is one of life eternal, and that I'm going to have a body better than this one, and I'm, I'm ready for that. And 
And that's going to go for life forever if I will just place my hand, my heart, my soul in Jesus. Similarly, even while I'm in this world, Jesus wants to show up for me too. Even if I feel ashamed today, if that's your story, take a deep breath with us and pray and let Jesus show you himself to you this week. Our Father, we're so thankful, Lord, that Jesus lives. We're thankful for the Easter story. We're thankful that the grave, that death itself, hell's most terrifying weapon, cannot overcome your good and life-giving grace. We're so thankful, Lord, that you're willing to see our hearts and willing to forgive when we seek your forgiveness. Lord, we do ask for your forgiveness. We admit that we have not been what we should be, that we have sometimes betrayed you by the things we've done, by the things we've said. And Lord, we repent of that. We're so sorry. Thank you for the story of Peter and your love for him. And thank you for the love you have for us. Because just like Peter, Lord, we need you sometimes to show up and reassure us that we are yours. Call us to great things as you did to Peter. And in this week, this week of Easter, we pray, Lord, that each of us will bow our heads and find ourselves once again clothed by the presence of the living Christ, up close and personal. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to know more about this Jesus, who forgives and loves and calls the best out of us, if you'd like to know more about Peter and how we might identify with him, if you'd like to know more about how you can get in touch with Jesus, give us a call. Just dial this number, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. 24 hours a day and seven days a week, we're by the phone. Yes, we want to hear from you. But Jamie, I know some people won't call us on the phone, but maybe they would check us out online. Where can they go? What's our web address? Our web address is cbhviewpoint.org. That's right, CBH, Christians Broadcasting Hope. That's who we are. Check us out online and send us an email. We'll be glad to reply. Or at the last, just write a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you call us up, check us out online, or use the post, please. Let us hear from you this week. Jamie Wilkerson, celebrate on. Make this Easter one to remember. I will. (laughs) And we are so glad that you're with us today. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in, our audience as well. For all of us at the Viewpoint Ministry team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Happy Easter and stay tuned.